2 Timothy chapter number 4 tonight, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we'll take our text from uh, this chapter this evening, and a familiar passage of Scripture to us now since we've been in uh, our Bible study on Wednesday night, uh, but of course we'll go in a different direction tonight, but we'll start in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. While you're turning there, I failed to announce a couple of things. There's a bridal shower for Ashley Roberts this Saturday at 2 o'clock. I know there's a list uh, on the bulletin board in the back. And then those of you that are involved in uh, all of our special music groups, there will be a meeting uh, Saturday, August the 29th. So I want to remind you of that. Uh, it's been in the bulletin, but uh, that means half of you haven't seen it. So, uh, But August 29th, we'll uh, get together as we did with the choir uh, yesterday. And so it was good to have the choir back, and I appreciate uh, their work and what they add to the service. Second Timothy 4, I want to be very practical tonight. I want to help you uh, let the scripture, uh, if you'll allow me, I think I'll, I'll, I'll help you tonight. And we'll look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 4, and we're going to read, read verse 6 and verse 7. And of course, we know very much the context of this. The Apostle Paul is coming to the end of his life, and he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. We see that phrase, I've fought a good fight, the first part of verse number 7. We see the last part of verse number 7, I have kept the faith. Well, something I want you to note before we get to the message tonight, you're not going to fight your fight and you're not going to keep the faith if you don't finish your course. If you concentrate on finishing your course, you'll fight the good fight. If you concentrate on finishing your course, you'll keep the faith. Uh, that will take care of itself. I think sometimes we, we, we fail to see that, and I'm going to fight the good fight, and I'm going to keep the faith, and we're sincere in saying that, but we don't take care of the details in our life to see that we finish our course. If I finish my race, if I finish my course, I'm going to fight the good fight. If I finish my course, if I'm faithful to the end, I will have kept the faith. So if you want to be like Paul, as I do, I want to, when I come to the end of my life, to be able to say, I've fought a good fight. Uh, I have fought the devil. I have, I've, I've stayed in the fight. I've kept the faith. I've never compromised Scripture. I've never given up my Bible. I've never given up my heritage. I've never given up my beliefs. I've kept my doctrine. I want to say that. The only way I'll be able to say that is if I finish my course. And that's true of every one of us tonight. Uh, I, I believe that you want, when you face your Savior one day, when we're in His presence, to be able to say, Oh, I, I, I kept the faith. I, I, I fought the good fight. But determined to finish your course. That's why God puts such a premium on faithfulness. That is the emphasis, emphasis to be faithful to do what is necessary then so that we stay faithful, so that we can finish our course. Now, tonight I'm going to speak on this subject, obstacles to finishing your course. I'm going to be very practical tonight, and I'm going to, I'm going to bring this in a way that we normally don't think. Uh, we normally think of the big, the big abyss, abyss that we face, the big holes that would trip us up, but oftentimes we get tripped up with the little potholes. 
And so we could talk about uh, all of the wicked things of this world, and that certainly will keep you from finishing your course. Uh, I'm not going to preach to you tonight on uh, specifics about why we hold the Bible the way we hold it. I'm going to give you some obstacles tonight that trip up Christians more often than those big things that we're always watching for. And so I, I think this will help us tonight as we look at obstacles to finishing our course. Father, I pray that you'll help us as we uh, look into your word tonight. Uh, may we give some thought to what is being said. May we consider uh, what is being said. And Father, you, you, you haven't made it complicated for us. I'm just afraid sometimes we fail to take the time uh, to put a premium where you put a premium. Uh, may we be helped tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Finishing our course is our goal. Uh, the race that I am to run, uh, my goal, my responsibility is to finish my race. It's not my responsibility to fin finish your race. It's your responsibility to finish your race. Uh, we all have a will that God has for us. We all have tasks that God has designed specifically for us. Uh, there are things that God has designed for me to do in His will that only I can do. Likewise, there are things that God has designed for each Christian in this room that only you can do. And we have to focus on what it is that God has for us to do. And I could get off uh, track here and, talk, and, and put an emphasis, and I'll put a little bit of an emphasis, and that's why it's important to keep your eyes on yourself, on your race, what God has for you. But finishing is the goal. We want to be faithful. My goal is not for the Emmanuel Baptist Church to be the largest church, but to be a faithful church. My goal for the Emmanuel Baptist Church is not to be the most uh, well-known church, but to be a faithful church. Uh, we want to finish our course. Uh, we see the children from the nursery and through all of our children's programs. My desire for them is simple. I want them to finish the course that God has set for them. Uh, my urging as a pastor to the teenagers and to the young adults and the young couples is for you to finish the course that God has for you. And then on up from there, I'll, I'll not name decades or age groups from there on, but uh, is to finish the course. Because quite frankly, it's a shame when a teenager gets rebellion in their heart and they decide not to finish the course. It's a shame when a young adult gets enamored by the world and says, I'm not going to finish my course. But it's just as much a shame as somebody in their senior years that decide that they've run far enough in their race and they've done enough and they're, and they're not going to finish their course. The point is, we all have a course that we're to finish. Now, finishing is the goal. Since that is so important and that is our goal, aren't you glad God gave us instruction on how to finish? We don't have to Google tonight how to finish the race God has for me because you get a lot of wrong answers. We have the Word of God and God instructs us on how to finish our course, which in turn will help us keep the faith having fought the fight. It's important for us to understand that we have the instructions. We have God's plan. All of us should have a desire to glorify God with our life. I trust you do. That is our goal. That is how you glorify God by running your race. That's how you glorify God by 
finishing your course. You're, you're not going to finish your course in the future if you don't run your race today. And I think sometimes we look too far ahead and we fail to see that I've just got to complete today. I've got to glorify Him today. I've got to take care of what I'm supposed to take care of today. You don't need to worry about your walk with God, God 30 years from now if you take care of your walk with God today. You don't need to worry about your walk with God 30 years from now if you'll take care of your walk with God tomorrow and the day after. Uh, we have instructions. We have God's plan. Now, let me remind you tonight, God's plan is orderly. God is not a God of chaos. God has instructed everything to be de done decently and in order. God's plan is orderly. God's plan, don't miss this, is built around priority. I want you to think about this tonight as a Christian. Priority. A lot of times when Christians fail, many times if not most, when they fail to finish, it's because, not because they had uh, the motive to, to not finish, it's because their priorities got out of order. Uh, if, you, if, you are, if you are on fire for God tonight, the, most, the, da the danger in your life is for you to get something out of priority. If things are not going like you want them to go, analyze, look, be, be honest and say, do I have my priorities not as I want them, but as God would have them? God is a God of priority. Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is, listen very careful, carefully to me. A church like our church, this is a generational church. Uh, not just that we have a lot of generations in this church, but for decades this church has done what we're doing tonight, has stood on the word of God, has sought to please God. Uh, and sometimes I'm afraid those that grow up in this and spend time in this, they fail to connect these dots when it comes to priority of God. Well, pastor, this isn't wrong. I'm not telling you it's wrong. I'm just asking you to consider, is it seeking first the kingdom of God? I've seen a lot of, and I'll use this as an illustration, I've seen a lot of single adults who have a desire to serve God, saved, uh, serving it, it, they say, okay, I, I, need, I need a spouse. And there's not one here that you know of. There's not one here. So instead of seeking God, they stop seeking God and say, I've got to go find my spouse. When God says, if you keep me first, I'll add that to you. We can use other illustrations to that as well. Well, I, 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 need, I need the right kind of career or what, what, whatever it may be. You seek God, and God will give you what you need. You, the problem tonight is not that you have a wicked heart. It's, it's because your priorities are out of line. Uh, you've got to reassess the priorities. Why? Because I want you to finish your race. I want you to finish your course. More than I want that, God wants that for you. He wants you to finish your course. I believe you want to finish your course. So therefore, we've got to consider God's plan and the priorities that God has. He says, seek ye first. You think of stewardship. In what God has given us, we are managing what God has given us. It's our time. It's, it was, that's the most precious thing we have. 
but it's also our treasure. And when he, God speaks of financial matters, what does he say? He says, tithe first. He doesn't say, uh, don't take care of your family. He doesn't even say, don't have fun. He says, first tithe. God didn't tell you to go on a vacation unless you, you, you don't tithe. Then tithe. What, what, what is it? God's saying keep your priority right. And if you keep your, and, and we, could, we could literally talk all night, give testimony after testimony of when Christians get this priority right in their life when it comes to finances. They can say, look at everything that God has done for me. It's because the priority is right. When it comes to being a Christian, your priority ought to be God above everything. I'll give you a, a good illustration, a good example tonight. It's something we need to be reminded of even in our day. I love my nation. If I was called upon, I'd die for my, for my nation. Many of you have fought in war, served in the military to defend our nation. I love America. I'm aware of the sacrifice that has been made for us to have the freedoms that we have. Anybody else out there? God's above my nation because God is above everything. Now, when it comes to other nations, they're not above my nation. And the well-being, of other, they're not above my nations. But God is above everything. Why do you say that? Because if my nation turns my back on God and says, you turn your back on God, I'll turn my back on my nation. Doesn't mean I'll stop loving it. Doesn't mean I won't fight for it. But God is above everything. Everybody okay with that? Uh, God, as a, as a Christian, that means he should be above all your other relationships. Uh, young people, God doesn't tell you you shouldn't have friends. He said he should just be your best friend. He, he doesn't tell you uh, that you... you you can't enjoy life. Matter of fact, God wants you to enjoy life. He never says not to have hobbies and enjoyments. He never wants that. He just wants the priority. When it comes to Sunday, which is the first day of the week, that is God's day. We gather in His house on His day. It is His day. I believe if a Christian is going to finish his course... He's got to make his priorities God's, the same as God's priorities. And God says the first day of the week is my day, and I think Christians should be in church. I think Christians ought to be in the house of God. Why? Because God has made it a priority. Well, Pastor, do you really think it doesn't matter what I think? God has said this is the priority, so this is where we set it. God has to be above everything. Everything. In a marriage, God should be first, then your spouse. That's how you have a good marriage. That's how you keep a good marriage. If a marriage is going to last longer than a week and a half, y'all were at two weeks, so you're good. Longer than a week and a half, then God has got to stay first. When a marriage 
falls apart or when a marriage breaks up somebody, one of the two, perhaps both, but at least one, has placed themselves above God. You, you, you cannot alter the laws that God has set. That's why the every married couple in here, uh, keep God first. Put God, well, it, goes, it goes against. I've, I've had many times of counseling, well, I'm having problems and, and, and my husband doesn't want to do this or my wife doesn't want to do this. It, it, they want nothing to do with, with the things of God and this and that. Should I listen or should I make this person happy? No, make God happy. Keep God first. Well, if I keep Him first, then this... No, only God can do in a heart what God can do. So in your marriage, it's God, then the spouse. That's His priority. In the home, it's, the, it's God, it's husband, it's wife. It's God, parents, home, and child. If we would just get those two things right in our nation it would solve 95% of the problems in our nation. God's got to be head of the house. Then man has got to step up and be the leader of the home. And when the man won't follow God, the whole home begins to break down. And we have a lack of manhood in our homes today, generally speaking. But especially in regards to saying... On the first day of the week, priority in my home is we're going to the house of God. When the checks hit the bank, priority in my home, the first 10% goes to God. That's God's plan. The children should not be making the decisions in the home. Well, that's just old-fashioned. Well, the husband, the head of the house, that's just, do you realize what? No, it's not my priority. I asked my wife if I could say this, and she said I could. And so this is God's priority. We must ask ourselves the question, do we really want to finish our course? Because I'm afraid a lot of times Christians say they want to finish, but yet their priorities show that they either don't want to finish or they're not going to. We must keep our priorities right if we're going to finish our course. Let me say it like this. Don't make finishing your course the goal. Pastor, you've already said our goal is to finish the course. What I mean by that don't make it your goal, make keeping your priorities right your goal, and you will finish your course. I will make you a 100% guarantee. Take me up on it. If you keep God in His right place in your life, you'll finish faithfully. What does that mean? I gave several illustrations with, with, with stewardship, with the first day of the week, uh, with, 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 with the home, with our relationships. If you keep God first, you seek Him first, 
you will finish your course. Sometimes we look too far down the road and say, oh, I want to finish. I'm not minimizing that. We, we should say, I want to be like Paul. Okay, then we've got to come in, look at our own life, and make God's priorities our priorities. Now, I've laid all of that as a foundation because I'm going to give you some obstacles that keep us from finishing our course. These obstacles are things that get priority when God should have priority. They should not be first in sometimes amongst even Christian people. This makes us feel uncomfortable because we like to be first. We allow other things to become first, and that's where young people have a conflict with mom and dad because they want their priorities to be priority in God's established priorities. Sometimes in the life of a Christian, that's why a Christian sometimes runs right headlong into the preaching of the pastor or the position of the pastor. Why is that? It's because they've allowed their priorities to get out of line. We must understand that there are obstacles to finishing our course. I want to give them to you tonight. I've got four, and I'll be very, I believe I'll move very quickly through them. Number one, the flesh. Our desire. How many of you want to finish your course tonight? Raise your hand if you want to. I think that's everybody. You raise your hand, you're committed now. You have to. We want to finish our course. What's going to keep me from finishing my course? My flesh. Your flesh is not going to keep me from finishing my course. My flesh will. Somebody else's flesh isn't going to keep you from finishing your course. But you don't know what they know. It's your flesh reacting to their flesh. But it's our flesh. Let me remind you what Galatians chapter number 5 verse 16 says. This I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. We have got to decide as a Christian... If I'm going to finish my course, I cannot let my flesh be the obstacle that keeps me from doing that. Your flesh will give in to your emotion. Your flesh will give in to the circumstances of this world. Your flesh does not have good desires. Let me warn you, especially the, the younger generation. When I hear, this is just what I want to do, a red flag goes up. What does God want for you to do? What does the Word of God say for you to do? That applies to all of us. Flesh will keep us from finishing our course. This is a battle. This is something that every one of us has to pay attention to. Say, well, well, Pastor, there's just some things that I, I just don't think I would ever do, and, I, and I, I believe you when I say it. But when I don't live by the Spirit, then my flesh begins to dictate. And when you read the works of the flesh, 
there's things there that Christians actively participate in. Why is that? It's because they're flesh. They're not faithful to the end. They didn't finish their course. Your flesh can prevent you. Number two, folly. The word folly or foolishness. Let me read two passages of Scripture to you. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 21. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. But a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Let me define folly for you. It's an act which is inconsistent with the dictate of reason or with the ordinary rules of prudence. It's foolishness. Uh, let me remind you that we as Christians should have a mind to work. We should be serious about the things of God. And quite frankly, just that which is inconsistent with reason for a child of God is folly. Uh, it goes against prudence. Let me say it like this. A refusal to mature and accept responsibility for what God has in your life is folly. Uh, men who take a wife, you have a responsibility. There's no time for foolishness. When you bring a child in this world, uh, you, you'll never be prepared for that. But you need to be prepared to accept the responsibility. And quite frankly, many times, there are Christians who, they, they're not doing what they could do for the Lord. They're allowing a hindrance to how they could finish their course. They're not out in sin, out in this world. You may even be in the house of God tonight, and I'd rather have you in the house of God than out of the house of God. I'd rather have you at least under the preaching of the Word of God. But at some point, we've got to set aside the foolishness and the folly and realize that I have a responsibility with the life God has given me. With the responsibilities God has given me. I'm not telling you, and I am against not allowing your child to be a child. He may have been called to preach when he's six, but he's seven now. If you really had the power of God on you, your room would be cleaning all the time. He's seven. Let him be a child. When you're a teenager, let him be a teenager. Every stage, the older we get, the dumber the previous generation seems to be. Can I get a witness on that? But I hate to break it to you. Some of us were just as ignorant but we've matured a little bit. Accept responsibility where you should accept responsibility. And if I could be very blunt and transparent tonight, those that grow up in a Christian home and they're reared under the Word of God, saved at a younger age, exposed to the things of God, God designed that so that we would have greater opportunities than those that did not have that. And the hindrance to many good 
saved young people is their folly. Well, I'm not out. It's, 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 it's doing things that you scratch your head and say, you say you want to have a spouse one day, but you certainly aren't growing up enough to have one. It's folly. You say, I'm ready to get out on my own, but the foolishness says you're not. And many times a church can get sidetracked by the mission and we can allow folly and foolishness to keep us from being focused on what God has for us. Now, I'm not saying tonight, don't have a good time. I'm not saying tonight to squash your personality. I'm just saying the things that we ought to be serious about, we should be serious about. The things that we, we, we should be focused on, let's be focused on them. God, God wants us to enjoy life. There's two extremes of this. Those that can never be serious and those that can never not be serious. God wants you to laugh once in a while. Your face won't break. Well, maybe. But at the same time, we, we shouldn't allow folly to keep us from doing that which we ought to do. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, verse 12 and 13, And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king, even that which has been already done? Solomon writes, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. That's an interesting statement. Wisdom excelleth folly. How far? As far as light excelleth darkness? There's a world we live in that's dying and going to hell, as I preached this morning, and God's given us an opportunity to have it make a difference. And sometimes Christians are too busy playing and letting those that God intended for you to make a difference in their life die and go to hell or fall by the wayside. Folly can keep us from finishing. Number three, and this is where it will get more interesting, fellowship. Fellowship will keep us from finishing our course. 2 Corinthians 6.17 reminds us to come out from among them. Galatians 5.7 says, Ye did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? 2 Samuel 13.3, But Amnon had a friend. 2 Thessalonians 3.6, That ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. If there's anything that a Christian bristles up against is when the Bible starts talking about their relationships or the pastor preaches on fellowship or relationships. We must constantly be guarding our associations and fellowships. Why? Again... God never says, don't have fellowship. He never says, don't have friendship. That's not what I'm saying. He's saying, I need to be the priority so that you have the right ones. I need to stay the priority so that you, so that you stay in fellowship with me. 
Because it is the truth. It is somebody that will get you away from the things of God. The greatest danger to me is what I've already preached about and am preaching about. My flesh, folly, family, uh, fellowship. A bad association could alter the course of this whole church. I have to guard my associations. Why? Because they will influence me. I have to be careful who I allow to influence me because who influences me influences my family and as the pastor of this church influences you. I'm not saying that everybody, you need to be careful in fellowship, is a bad person. Some of them are. I'm saying that it's always a who that hinders you. The person that could hinder you the most tonight could be sitting in this auditorium with you. You've got to be willing to say, I want to finish my course. And if if you're married to him, I can't help you there. That's a whole other session. Uh, But I think you get the point. If uh, you and a brother can be walking the same path and one walk starts to go disorderly, the Bible says you withdraw yourself. We have a hard time with this, but what the Bible does not say The Bible does not say you don't stop loving them. The Bible doesn't say you don't stop praying for them. But a lot of times why we have a hard time with this is because we're not praying for them. We we don't really love them. We're more concerned with what people do for us. And yes, I feel all alone right now. But your fellowship will hinder you, will keep you from finishing your course. You want to keep the faith? I understand that. I want to be able to say, I have kept the faith. I I never gave it up. I never wavered on it. I died clinging to the truths of that book. That's why, whether or not this book is the inspired and errant, preserved word of God, is not up for debate with me. It's not a passing fad with me. I will die on that hill. I want to keep the faith. I better guard my fellowships. I better guard who influences me. If it's good for this pastor, it's also true for you. You know, in one generation, this will mean nothing to you, but for everybody else, this is a touchy subject. So since I'm just doing this tonight, I'll just go ahead and cover it. Your fellowship on social media... Still applies, Bible principles still apply. And I know that you don't know everything about everybody else. I mean, some of you might, because that's what you do, but you may not know everything. But if you know, you need to be very careful with that. And I'll say it like this if you're a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, I want to remind you again tonight who your pastor is. I might depress you, but you chose to join here. Don't allow somebody else that may have a YouTube channel or somebody else that's on social media 
influence you away from the things that you know are right. The fellowship, mom and dad, you keep the neighborhood kids, you guard your kids because of the influence they may be, but then through social media, you give, allow them to have worse influence through social media than if you invite the whole neighborhood to your house. It, that, is, that, is, that, is, that may very well be the number one destroyer of young people in our churches today is access that the who's have, the disorderly, the scorner, they have to the young people through social media. Well, you're just... What, I, don't, I want to finish my course. I want to keep the faith. I want to fight the fight. I have to guard my associations. We all do. And if that one wasn't bad enough, number four. If you've noticed, flesh starts with an F, folly starts with an F, fellowship starts with an F. Number four. Anybody have a guess? Family. I want you to listen very, very closely. Because when we speak of our fellowship and associations, and then we mention family, we think of, we automatically think, and we should, we think of unsaved loved ones. We should not allow them to influence us. We should want to influence them for Christ. We're, we're so messed up on our, when it comes to family. The Bible, read through the book of Proverbs and see everything the Bible says about scorners. The Bible doesn't differentiate whether they have the same last name or not. You have to be very, very careful. And, again, mom and dad, if, 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 be careful who you allow your kids to influence. You may have family members that, and if you don't want, if you don't want to heed this, you, you don't have to. We'll, there'll be counseling sessions later because you won't know what to do with your children but when they're young, it may be okay. But I promise you, if somebody is turned from this book, they'll do everything they can to turn somebody else from this book. That certainly applies, but that's not the point I want to make tonight. So I want you to listen very, very carefully. I don't want to make it because I just made it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, it tells us very specific things about the home. It says, wives that are submit to their husbands in chapter 5. It also says in chapter 5, husbands love your wives. In chapter 6, that's the part of it we all know, parents, isn't it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, we have the command that the wives to submit to the husband, the husbands to love their wife, the children are to obey their parents. If Christian homes, if we just... Get back to that and make sure we're doing that. That is our priority because it's God's priority. That would fix a lot of things in our homes. Kids, you obey mom and dad. And, and, and huffing and puffing, that's, that, that's rebellion. You obey mom and dad. Men, love your wives. And I hadn't intended to say that, but I'll go ahead and say it. It says, more than yourself, more than your own flesh. 
Some of you love yourself so much, you've got a lot of catching up to do with loving your wife. Love your wife. Those are, those are priorities that God has set. So men, our priority in the home is to follow God's leadership and to love our wife. Ladies, if you have a husband with all of his flaws and imperfections, if he's doing his best to follow God, you submit to him. That's your priority. Children, it's not for you to decide what ought to go on in your home. You obey mom and dad. That is the priority that God has said. Now, let me go back. Do we not want to finish our course? I want to finish my course. Uh, I want to, whether the rapture takes place or whenever God calls me home, I want to finish as a husband. I want to finish as a father. I want to finish as a friend. I want to finish as a pastor. I want to finish as a Christian. I want to finish my course. I trust that's the same for all. So here's an obstacle that I want you to be aware of that you're not always aware of. We know the priorities God has set in our home, don't we? And that's why if, if, you, if you, you young people, teenagers and on up that, that are unmarried, uh, focus on... If you're a young man, focus on becoming the man that you need to be so that you can lead your home. Because let me just give you a hint, and, and men, if you don't say amen, we know. When God gives you a wife, he gives you somebody that can influence you in ways nobody else can influence you. He puts inside the heart of a husband, I want to do everything I can to meet every need that she has. That's why God says be willing to submit to the leadership. Because you, that has to take place. Men do every, Young men do everything you can to be the right kind of leader and say, this is right, this, and you'll attract the right kind of spouse, by the way. Ladies that are, are that, that you young teenagers and, 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 and single ladies, and, and I, I want to have a, a husband. Well, prepare yourself as the young lady as, as, as you need to be so that you can fulfill the priority that God has set. But every time your family dynamic changes, you must reassess your priorities. When you take a wife, it's no longer about you. I thought I'd get more than one amen. When you take a husband, ladies... It's no longer just about you. When you have your first child, they will remind you it's not about you, not even close. So what am I saying? I'm saying we're running our race. I'm doing the best I can to keep my flesh in check. I do the best I can to keep my, my associations the way they should be. I do the best I can to uh, make sure that, that I'm getting, being serious about the things that I need to be serious about. I'm doing the best I can within my family, but there's a change. Every time you change, every time your family dynamic changes, you need to reassess your priorities. Let me clarify what I mean by this. When you get married, it's still God first. Not the spouse. Be very, very careful 
that as great as the love for your spouse is, that the love for your God does not take a second place. Now, love your spouse, but God needs to stay first. God gives you children that you bring that new baby home. Let me give the young couples some very important counsel tonight. It is a natural tendency for new parents to allow the baby to take the priority in the home. Well, I know as a mom, it's your responsibility to rear a child, and there's no greater calling than being a godly mother to rear children for the Lord. But you've still got priorities. And God is still the top. Don't neglect your walk with the Lord and replace that time. And I know your baby's demanding. And I know how little help he provides. But you've got to work hard to keep God first. When you have a child, God doesn't reorder the priorities to God, child, husband, or God, child, wife. It is still the same order that God has prioritized it. So, husband and wife with small children, and this isn't just your first child, that's the first adjustment, but when that change in your dynamic of your, of your home takes place, you've got to reassess and say, we've got to make sure that our priorities take place the way God instructs them to take place. Because if you don't do that when they're young, when they become a teenager, they begin to rebel, they'll call the shots in the home about what you do spiritually and even where you attend church. Because the priority is out of place. There can be a wedge driven between husband and wife because of the gift of a child. Because priorities have not taken place. If you're not careful, even that child with all the potential for the Lord and that gift from God can be an excuse for not serving God. The, gift, the commands of Scripture... Apply if you, if you have babies. You're still supposed to keep God first in your stewardship. You're still supposed to keep God first the first day of the week. You're still supposed to keep God first in His dynamic in the home and the marriage. It doesn't change anything, but a lot of times we allow some of the greatest things that take place in our life and our home to adjust our priorities and we don't even realize it or we don't stop and take the time to say, God's still first. It's important that every time this dynamic changes in your home, and it will change. That's why, and, and, and I probably need to do more preaching on this, with, with all the young couples and, and those that, or having, still have their children at home. But the moment that baby comes home, some of you could testify to this. They'll start training you instead of you training them. You've got to be careful not to let those priorities take place, change. 
Because some, something's going to happen one day. And I've heard about it my whole life. And I'm starting to experience it. And I kind of like it. They're going to leave you. I remember when Alyssa was born, and we tried to practice this. We, you know, we're, we're still husband and wife, and we're still going to have our date night, and we're still going to, you know, and, and, and she's, she, she's not going to run everything in, in our home. And for, for 22 years, we had that conversation, and she's not, she's not controlling everything. And so we, we're getting a babysitter, our first child. I still remember this. We got a babysitter. I don't remember who it was. We're going out to dinner. We get sitting. Then we're going to go out to the mall or something like that. Somewhere else. We had two or three things we we're going to do after dinner. We're sitting at dinner. We order our food and, and we eat and we're sitting there. We're just, and all of a sudden we're just like, you want to just go home? It was like we had a new toy or a new puppy. And we wanted to just go home and, and see her. Now, 22 years later, it's like, you know, you, when, when you out, you know, and. They leave. I've got two more at home, and I'm not rushing them out. I enjoy having them around. But if the Lord tarries is coming, when they leave, and some of you could testify this because it's where you're at, it's just the two of you again. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was an oh me or... <laughs> So if the priority is not right when they come, when the natural course of time takes place and they leave, husband and wife still have their responsibilities to one another as God is established in the home. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll allow the greatest blessings that God bestow on us to be the obstacle that keeps us from finishing that's why I don't even know if this would make sense to anybody else, but I do it in my own mind. I've actually used this word in, 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 in counsel. You've got to recalibrate every so once in a while, every once in a while. Because your circumstances around you change. The season of life you're in is different. So I've got to stop and look at the priorities because I want to finish my course because it's not the same as it was here. Life is here now, but the priorities never change. I hope that makes sense. We still have the responsibility to seek God first. It may be in a different way than I, than I sought him before because life has changed. Uh, we have a responsibility to still walk in the Spirit. And parents, let me tell you, the, the best thing when your children do grow up and they do go off, the Bible does say they leave father and mother it, in, as husband and wife. They, they, they form that new home. The best thing you can do for your future grandchildren that you can't even think of right now is to train those children from day one that God comes before them and train them that wives you train, moms you train them, dad comes before you. Well, I know I've, I've crossed it there. And as a dad, you train those children, mom comes before you. If mom says you were a brat and you say you weren't, you're sticking with mom. Because how they're reared is how they're going to rear. 
in that responsibility, we have those priorities. It is so easy for a Christian to allow their priorities to get out of line. Some sin, you've got to go looking for it. That's why the Bible says there are certain places you stay from. There are certain things you flee from. Uh, but you can go looking for it. And if you look for it, you'll find it. But a lot of times, I'm afraid we as Christians, we're, we're not even, we're, we're, we're content serving God. We're happy serving God. We're pressing on serving God. We want to finish our course. But along the way, life happens around us, and we fail to stop long enough to say, okay, are my priorities where my priorities should be? And God is at the top. I'll teach on this Wednesday, of course, with the Apostle Paul, as all men left him, there's one constant he always had, and that's God. You know, there is a glad reunion day. We will be reunited with others who are saved. And it's, a, it's, it's not a good thing. You're, you're, it's, it's, it's not a good thing to sacrifice a relationship with God to try and fix a relationship that only God can fix. That's why this church has got to stay the way it is. Pastor, not everybody's going to... I know... But if they want God, they know where they can find Him. You've got to stay your priority. That's why maybe, maybe, maybe you're in the, in the, you've reared your children and you praise the Lord for that. And you've got grandkids and maybe, maybe some of your kids haven't taken the training that they've been given. You stay the same for your grandkids. You stay the same. Time tells. You can't finish your course unless you don't every day, every day, every day, every day. Now, it's, if, if I'm not careful as your pastor, I can get my priorities out of order. Besides my personal responsibilities as a pastor, it's to give attendance to studying and prayer. But if I'm not careful... I like, I like to administrate. If I'm not careful, administration will take the time of study and prayer. And that little shift of the rudder will eventually move the ship. So every once in a while, I've got to stop and say, I need to change my schedule. As my family dynamic changes, I've got to stop and reprioritize and change some things because it's different so that I can keep my priority the same. Because it's what my priority is. Same is true in every area of your life, including dynamic at home, work, all those things. Sometimes your health changes. It may change your dynamic and your availability and what you can and cannot do. What do you do? You recalibrate and say, okay, let's start. God's still the priority. I still have my relationship with Him in my home. You may have somebody in your home that walk out. You may have some of you have had a spouse desert you. and They just walk out the door, okay? It's different. You, you can still keep God first. He can still, you can still, you, somebody else may have given up, but you can still finish your course, but you got to keep God first. 
Meaning here, you know the pain of having a, a prodigal, someone who turns their back and they flee the things of God. Hey, don't go to, you keep God first. Keep Him first. We've got to constantly be saying, okay, what are my priorities? God's a God of order. He gives a plan so that we can finish. I want you to finish. I want you to keep the faith. I want you to fight the fight. And I'll probably teach on this one Sunday night what, what that really is. In order to do so, you've got to finish your course. In order to finish your course, you've got to, day to day, who's my priority today? Well, God is. No matter who else screams for my attention today, God's the priority. And then in order, my responsibilities, in my case, as a husband, as a father, those are my priorities. As a pastor, these are my priorities. And then when I fulfill all my obligations and all my responsibilities, it's okay for me to determine with what time I have left, what energy I have left, what I do. Obviously, as long as it's not contradicting the Word of God. The same is true for each and every one of us. I hope this, I hope this, this is a little bit into the mind of your pastor. Scary thought, I know. But let's decide to finish. And keeping the bright priorities will help us do that. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight as we look at these truths. We continue to go through 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We look at finishing tonight. Father, I pray that we would keep our priorities right. Uh, Father, I know that there's been times in my life when my priorities have been out of line, and it has affected my walk with you. I pray that tonight, if there's someone who just has a priority out of line, maybe there's somebody who has something they need to get right with you. May they get that right. But maybe tonight what we need to do as a church and as individuals, maybe we just need to look at our priorities, and maybe there's something we need to adjust. I love my family. I'd die for my family. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my family. But I should never place my family and make them an idol by placing them above you. Father, I love this church. You know I love this church. I'd die for this church. But I should never place this church above you. Father, I am loyal to my friends. I love my friends. Father, I should never place my loyalty to a friend above you. May we all look at our priorities tonight. We stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, the piano begins to play. If God has spoken to you tonight, the altar is open. What, determine your priorities. Men, if you want to be a good husband, stay close to God and you'll be a good husband. Ladies, you want to be a good wife, stay close to God and you'll be a good wife. The, the greatest... None of us are perfect parents. Quite truthfully, if any of our children turn out, it's in spite of us, not because of us. But it's amazing. If you'll keep God first, you'll be a good parent. How does one be a good Christian? Keep God first. Keep their responsibilities first. Tonight, let's make sure that our priorities are where they should be. Brother Stanley, would you lead us tonight? All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. 
Father, we thank you for a wonderful day. We thank you for assurances of salvation. We thank you of additions to the church. We thank you for the reminder of what we've been saved from. And Father, may we take this very simple reminder of our priorities so that we might finish. Bless your people this week. I pray that uh, your work will continue uh, at the pace that you'd have it continue. Bless your people. Bless those who can't be with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll let you be seated for just a moment, and I want to uh, uh, bring you up to date uh, and just give you a little bit of information, really, and just uh, with all the, we've been raising money for this annex. We've been working on it. It's been set up. We've been delayed over here, but we're working on there, and I, I appreciate all the extra money that has been given. Uh, I appreciate all the hard work that is put in uh, on these work nights. Uh, the, the men on staff here have worked very, very hard um, working uh, on, on, on this project, and uh, we've made great, great progress, and I'm, I'm excited about it. And when we're done with this, we can shift our energy uh, into uh, the project back here, um, and, and we're waiting